The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? All of these periods of time in my life, I just want to say, absolutely led to growth. And I'm so grateful for the tools and for the foundation that I had that have given me the opportunity to transform these really painful periods of my life into something with purpose and into something that is ultimately beautiful and has made me a stronger human being. I cannot believe that it is already November. I feel like with each year that I get older, the time just goes faster and faster. Yet here we are. It is the holiday season. Welcome, guys. And I know that with the holidays can come mixed emotions, right? Some people absolutely love the holidays. For me, I'm that person. I am listening to Christmas music in July. And then for other people, it can be a time of a lot of sadness and depression. So this month, we are really going to be focusing on mental health, not only because the holidays are here, but also because the month of November is Suicide Survivors Month, where we hold space for all people who have feelings of being suicidal, have gone through suicidal ideation before, who have attempted suicide and survived, and people who have attempted and lost their lives. I wanted to jump back into mental health. Not that last month's topics did not have to do with mental health, because as you'll hear in this Q&A, me coming into who I really am and living authentically and vulnerably has set me free from my depression and anxiety. So the two things absolutely exist in the same space, but we're really going to be focusing this month on mental health and wellness. So with that, let's dive into the questions. So Question number one is, what is your go-to natural treatment for depression? You guys know that I'm a huge fan of Johan Hari's book, Lost Connections. I've said it a million times. If you have not read Lost Connections, read Lost Connections. I don't care if you have depression or not. It is one of the most thought-provoking books of our times. It's a New York Times bestseller. I had the honor of having Johan on this podcast a number of episodes ago. Go back and listen to that. It will be in the show notes if you can't find the exact episode. His book was so profound to me because it really talked about the social causes of depression. For the vast majority of people, antidepressants don't work. I'm one of those people. I have tried Lexapro, Prozac, Zoloft, Wellbutrin, Effexor. What else have I tried? I feel like that's five. Yeah, I've tried at least five or six depression medications. And 
they all came with a slew of horrible side effects or they did not work at all. And, or they would work for like six weeks. And then after six weeks, I'd feel like they weren't working anymore. And then I would need a higher dose or to switch dose or to add a different medication. It just was not working. And that's when I actually was dealing with, I was in the midst of a suicidal depression period in my life. I've been through many of those in my uh, sobriety and I tried to do TMS and TMS is transcranial magnetic stimulation. Um, It is a treatment that you get once daily for six weeks. They put these electrodes on your head through a hat and basically via these electrodes, it shocks your brain. It's it's essentially non-invasive electroshock therapy. And it shocks your brain for five minutes every day for six weeks. And it has a pretty high success rate. And it worked for me for quite a bit of time until it didn't work anymore. And that's kind of why I love Johan's book where it's talking about like how the brain actually works and the social causes of addiction. So when we talk about natural treatments for depression, I want to talk about some of the fundamentals that like we just need as humans and most of us rarely get, but these things absolutely make a huge difference in my life. The first is sunshine. And I know that for a lot of people, that's not an option. So I would say sunshine slash nature. There is absolutely a reason why when you go to the beach or, I mean, for me, it's the beach, sticking my feet in the sand and just being near the water is like an instant antidepressant and Xanax in my body, literally. And it has to do with, you know, the negative charge of the sand and a whole bunch of different elements. But for me, that really does it for me. Maybe you're a hiker You need to be out in the mountains. We need to be spending more time in nature than we do inside behind screens. Our bodies need it. So for me, getting outside first thing in the morning, like I wake up, get out of bed and go outside and seeing the sunshine or just being in the cool, crisp air helps so much. Also, if you can do that before bedtime, it will make a big improvement in your sleep. Going outside for a brisk five minute, 10 minute walk before you go to bed after you've had dinner is a game changer. So that's number one. Number two is going to be meditation. I mean, studies show that when you meditate, you experience brainwave states that are conducive to healing. And Meditation is just such an important part of my life. I personally am a huge fan of guided meditations. I love Dr. Joe Dispenza's meditations. You can buy them off of his website. I have them on my phone. I listen to the morning meditation and the evening meditation, and it has been a total game changer for me. The next one is something that you've definitely never heard of. It is called an alpha stim. I have no idea how this thing works, but it basically is like these two electrodes, you put them on your ears and when you put them on your ears and turn the thing on, it somehow helps your brainwaves. (laughs) 
And it is clinically proven to reduce so many things from sleep disorders to uh, pain disorders to depression and anxiety. And for me, it has been so helpful. I love my Alpha Stim. You have to have a doctor's prescription to get one, but I do believe that they do consultations um, via their website. But the Alpha Stim has been a game changer for me. So that's something that you can do at home. I do 20 minutes a day when I'm feeling like I'm in a little bit of a funk and it really helps me out. The next thing is food, vitamin D and vitamin B. So key to my overall well-being. As you guys know, I have struggled with an eating disorder, but I also have autoimmune stuff. So I'm restricted in what I can and cannot eat, which has been a really tough road to balance all of these things. But I will say that when I'm following my autoimmune protocol diet and taking proper supplements, for me, that's vitamin D, um, methylated vitamin Bs, and my probiotics, when I'm taking those things and am eating a diet that is rich in nutrients and fruits and veggies, my mental health is so much better. I mean, these are the things that you'll hear from any wellness person and there's a reason and it's because it works. Getting outside in nature, doing meditation, eating cleaner, working out, all of these things improve your mental health. Now let's talk about the reality of this. The reality is that we're all chronically stressed out. The reality is that our food has been poisoned. The reality is that a lot of people can't afford to eat a paleo diet or a vegan diet or whatever it might be. That there is red tape set up in everybody's lives. I don't care who you are, whether you're a working mother of two or you're a single person who is just trying to get by. There are always going to be roadblocks in our lives. And so what I would encourage everyone to do is to look at like, okay, so what can I do? What am I capable of? What are the small changes that I can begin to make in my life that will help my mental health? When I've been in bouts of severe suicidal depression, I mean, we're talking about intrusive thoughts about killing myself every single second that I'm awake until the second that I go to bed. And even when I'm dreaming, when I'm in that state of having such intrusive thoughts and being that depressed, I can't think about big changes. Big changes come for when, you know, the water's calm. When I'm amidst the turbulent storm of my mental health and depression, I absolutely am not in any space to be thinking about like long-term goals. It is about bite-sized pieces. And I crawl my way out of those depressive episodes in tiny little steps. And so usually that looks like forcing myself to go outside, forcing myself to go outside, setting 18 alerts on my phone that say go outside throughout the day. So that way I am in nature for a few minutes a day. It is about making choices that are 
attainable in the moment. And it's about extending myself the grace for when I don't achieve those goals or hit those targets for the day, you know? And it's about extending love to myself, unconditional love to myself for the fact that like, I just made it through a day and it's okay. Being a human right now, living in this time that we're living in is fucking rough. (laughs) I mean, the constant noise and input from the media, our addictions to being online, the amount of disconnect between us and our fellow humans, all of it is causing so much suffering for us. I was talking to a friend a few weeks ago about how my spiritual practice has improved my mental health so much and how continuously staying in the shadow work has cleared so much psychic pain for me and how grounded and rooted and supported that I feel right now. And she was like, well, can you talk about that more? And I said, sure, you know, I I just had this really clear vision recently that I've spent most of my life seeking to feel better because being human is really hard. (laughs) And I've done that through drugs and alcohol. I've done that through relationships. I've done that through working out and eating disorders. And I've, I've done that through many, many things. And I've even done it through spirituality. A lot of people in the spiritual community do this too. It's called spiritual bypassing where we want to achieve so much. We we want to achieve higher states of consciousness and we want to, you know, that ego steps in and tells us that this is the way and we're better than everyone else. And, you know, we're spiritual beings and we need to, you know, attain enlightenment in this lifetime and whatever you might hear, depending on what you subscribe to, I guess you'd say. But I really had this profound moment in my life where I realized that no, that the experience on this planet, sure, it's, it's a spiritual one for me, but it's also a human experience. And I've spent so much of my life running from the pain of that human experience. And over the last several years, instead of running from it, what I've done is I've actually welcomed it. And in that welcoming has come a lot of pain and suffering. But once I made it through to the other side, it was like, oh, okay, this is what it's about. And so my life today is really focused on incorporating spiritual principles, right? Like love, understanding, grace, patience, presence into my human experience. And so I used to try to transcend and have out-of-body experiences and meditation, which I've had and sure, quite profound. But what I realized is that I'm happier when I'm rooted into my physical body and into this human experience that I'm having. And when I'm at the same time incorporating these spiritual principles, offering myself grace, offering myself understanding, offering myself unconditional love and presence and peace and offering others the same. And so 
I don't know how I even got onto this topic other than to say that as far as natural treatments for depression, I think that there are many. I think that they're not talked about because of capitalism, really. Like the, and I'm not anti-medication and I will preface everything that I'm saying in this episode Uh, with the fact that like, I am not a doctor. (laughs) I am not your psychiatrist. I'm just speaking from personal experience and from what I've learned over the years. I think medication can absolutely be helpful, but I think for the vast majority of people, it doesn't work. And some people even think that it's working and it's really not. I have a friend. It's a perfect example of that. Like it is so clear to me that she's depressed and unfulfilled in her life, but she thinks her Lexapro is working. I'm not going to tell her otherwise, but she does. She thinks it's working. I'm like, "Mm, okay. So do I think medication is bad? Absolutely not. But living in this fast paced world where we're expected to do so much with such little time, we of course are going to be pushed meds that offer temporary solutions or temporary relief because instead of actually dealing with the root cause of depression, right? We would rather just give a pill just like we would for anything else in the United States or most of the Western world. What would you do if you didn't have high interest loans or credit card debt? With Upstart, you can pay off your existing debt quickly and easily and start living your life. If you're carrying a credit card balance month after month, it can feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of debt with no end in sight. Upstart can help you make that final payment so you can get ahead. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date. Rather than looking at a credit score alone, Upstart considers other factors like your income, current employment, and credit history to find you a smarter rate for your loan. You can check your rate without impacting your credit score in minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You can even receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash reality. That's upstart.com slash reality. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit score, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. That's upstart.com slash reality. What's up, well-beings? I'm Kelly Noonan-Gorris, and this is The Heal Podcast. Every Thursday, I interview the leading experts in health and healing, as well as real people with extraordinary healing stories. Whether you want to heal a physical diagnosis, a mental health issue, a past trauma, or heal our planet, the Heal Podcast is for you. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss that one episode that holds the answers you've been searching for. You can follow us on Instagram at at HealDocumentary and at Kelly Gores, and catch episode clips on Heal Documentary's YouTube channel. Don't forget to tune in every Thursday anywhere podcasts are found. So following up that question with this question from Madison, and she said, have your feelings changed on pharmaceutical medications for mental health? And adding on to that, what are your thoughts on benzos as a last resort for someone with severe anxiety? 
I think that there is absolutely a time and a place for medication. It's so interesting. Evan just wrote an incredible book. He's going to be on the podcast at the end of this month to talk about how mental health has gotten to the state that it's gotten to here in the U.S. and in the Western world. I am not against medication. I'm not against science. As many of you guys know, I am actually very much so pro mat for people who are in early recovery or in recovery. That's medically assisted treatment, aka Suboxone, Subutex, Methadone for people who are addicted to heroin. So I am absolutely for meds. I think meds can be an amazing thing. I think that it really comes down to these two things for me. One, informed consent. You need to know what are the side effects of these medications? What are the long-term side effects of these medications? Is there an option to be on these medications during a severe you know, episode of suicidal depression and then to get off of them? What is it like to get off of them? You need to know all of this information and most psychiatrists, and I think a lot of you guys will resonate with this. Like my psychiatrist never listened to me. He was just in and out. What's your problem? Okay, here's the medication. Writes me the script out the door, right? They're not psychologists. They're not listening to you. And most of them, and God bless the ones who are great. I had uh, Dr. Sagan on the podcast, who's an amazing psychiatrist, who is very balanced in her approach of meds, especially when it comes to the use of benzos. Most psychiatrists that I've talked to don't actually understand how benzos are giving people worse anxiety. Let me explain. And there's a great book on this. When you're introducing your brain to benzodiazepines, here's what happens. It's a depressant, okay? So benzos are actually depressants that enhance the effect of GABA in the brain. GABA is a sedative. So it creates this kind of like hypnotic, anti-anxiety, anti-convulsant and muscle relaxant experience. And so what happens is you take a Xanax, say, and then your brain gets flooded with GABA and it's fine once in a while. Say, you know, you're having a really bad anxiety attack and you take one and then you don't take another one for a month. No big deal. But what happens when you start taking benzos on a regular basis is your brain actually stops producing its own GABA which is what is responsible for keeping your nervous system calm. And so over time, you need more and more and more and more and more medication and you need to change your medication to higher and higher doses because your brain isn't making any more GABA and the amount that you are taking via the Xanax, Valium, Ativan, whatever it might be, is not going to work anymore. And so you need a higher dose over time. And then what they don't tell you is that when you're coming off said medication, your brain doesn't just start creating GABA all of a sudden. And so you have these awful side effects. I mean, as 
a treatment provider, I will say one of the worst drugs, if not the worst drug to get off of is a benzo. It takes so long and it can take years for your brain to recover. I believe that anyone who takes said medication or who prescribes said medication should be giving fully informed consent to their patients and tell them about the risks with this. It's not that it's just addictive. It is addictive. It's that it literally can cause brain damage. Brain damage. One of the biggest risks is early onset Alzheimer's. So I'm not against medication. I just think we need to use it more sparingly. And what I would like to see is more preventative medicine happening in America. I don't think that that will happen unless there was like a nationwide strike where everyone came out together and said, stop poisoning our water, stop poisoning our food, take care of our soil, give us the nutrients that we need, pay us a living wage, give us paid time off, all of the things that are like conducive to a happy, balanced life. And in the meantime, when we continue to treat people the way that we do in this country, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. People are going to search out for solutions that aren't necessarily in their highest good because we're trying to survive. And so if you're on meds, I have actually zero issue with that whatsoever. And there's absolutely a time and a place for meds. I just personally think that we need to start trying to find solutions to the underlying causes of depression and bipolar and anxiety and all mental health and mood disorders instead of putting a Band-Aid on it. This next question is such a good one. It's how do I support someone who's in the middle of a suicidal depression? And I just called Evan, who's downstairs, and I asked him to come up here to answer this one because he has been my support through my mental health journey and has really just, hi, has really just been so incredible when it comes to supporting me in the middle of my suicidal episodes. I remember the first time that I was in the midst of a suicidal depression, calling Evan, wanting him to 5150 me when Harper was just like 18 months old. And there's been several since then. And I know that, you know, those feelings of being suicidal can't be easy for him to deal with considering the fact that he lost his mom to suicide. But the question is, what is the best way to support someone in the midst of a severe depression? Honestly, unfortunately, there's no easy answer. There's no template for this kind of thing. I think it's case by case. And I think even within any case, it's moment to moment. It's different in the the requirements of that moment change. Compassion, patience, which actually, of course, come from the same root word. And the word patience basically means to suffer. So compassion means to suffer with, I think, inevitably, unless we live 
in complete isolation in, in the woods, we're going to be affected by uh, other people, by the people we're often that we're closest to, and we're going to feel their pain. And at a certain point, what they're going through may exceed our ability to help them, you know, in which case they may need professional help, which perhaps we can guide them to lovingly, suggesting that this might be something that they try. Certainly in cases where someone's actively suicidal, I, I don't think there's much of a, of a choice but to, to call 911. Obviously, if someone has a plan and they look like they're going to commit suicide or they, they have a plan and they have the means to do so. But I think just generally speaking, being there, being present, and often, often there's nothing we can do. There's no thing that, that is going to work or that's going to snap someone out of a, a depression or, you know, a psychotic episode, but just being there for them and being calm and loving and patient. Can you talk about how you've felt when I've been in my episodes and, and as my partner? Well, it's harder for me, as you pointed out, you know, I lost my mom to suicide when I was 14. And so it brings up a lot of stuff for me, you know, and I think of our kids, you know, and, and, and what they would go through given what I've gone through. And so it's hard. It's hard. It's been hard for me. Yeah. I mean, I think so many people have been touched by suicide. I'd, I'd have to look up the actual numbers, but I want to say 50,000 Americans kill themselves every year. And I think another quarter million try, make an attempt. This is a common problem. And I found over the years, perhaps unsurprisingly, I've met many, many others who've lost usually parents or, or a sibling or a friend, to suicide. It's very difficult. It leaves a lot of people behind who, I'll say in my case, you know, over 30 years later, 33 years later now, you know, are marked by these things for the rest of their lives. And uh, it's very difficult. Thank you, Babe, for sharing that. Yeah, as someone who's been on the other side of that, you go through these waves of feeling absolutely helpless and then also feeling like you're being selfish. And I just want to say that bouts of depression and or feeling suicidal, it's not, there's nothing selfish about it. It's such a place of desperation. And I feel like we attract people into our lives that are meant to help us grow and to teach us. And I do feel like for Evan and my relationship and the way that we've overcome those periods of 
my depression where I was really in a bad place, that has helped both of us grow in our own ways. And so in in a weird way, my my depression and my anxiety and my feelings of being suicidal have illuminated spots in Evan that he needed to look at so that way he could heal and grow. Okay, so this is a great question. Someone asked, is depression connected to living truthfully, especially in sobriety? Absolutely. It really, truly is. My depressive episodes really came when I was trying to fit in the box that I thought that I was supposed to be fitting in. One of the worst um, suicidal episodes that I had came at a time when my whole life was really falling apart. We moved out of the city and into the suburbs and we moved into a community that was very Stepford like. <laughs> it's a planned community out in the suburbs. Everyone drives the same car. Um, all of the people look alike. You know what I mean. Um, but we did it because of the schools and for the kids and the sports and and the whole thing. And I remember that there was still a lot of shame that I was carrying around from my past. And I was so afraid of other families finding out about my past or questioning why I didn't drink. And so instead of living authentically and vulnerably and trusting and knowing that my people will find me, whoever is meant to be in my life will be in my life, right? Instead of having that attitude, I tried to conform into this perfect housewife. So I changed my wardrobe, hid my tattoos anytime I was on school grounds, you know, made excuses for why I didn't drink because I didn't trust the new mom friends that I was making to know about, you know, my past history with drugs and alcohol. I was really trying to conform. And as a result, my mental health took such a big hit because we really rely on authentic connections in order to thrive when it comes to our mental health. And so what ended up transpiring was I was in this bout of depression because I wasn't living authentically. And then what happened was I ended up having a few big life events that took place. My grandfather unfortunately committed suicide that holiday season, which was really sad to process. Our businesses burnt down in the Woolsey fire. And one other big thing happened. I can't recall what it was right now, but the combination of those things and already being in a depression really sent me over the edge And I started to question like, who am I and how, you know, and all of these periods of time in my life, I just want to say, absolutely led to growth. And I'm so grateful for the tools and for the foundation that I had that have given me the opportunity to transform these really painful periods of my life into something with 
purpose and into something that is ultimately beautiful and has made me a stronger human being. And my heart just absolutely breaks for all of the people in my life that I know that I've lost to suicide, for all the people who have lost their lives to suicide, because I know how lonely and how painful that is. And, you know, losing the battle absolutely does not mean that someone's a failure or that they had a moral failing. The hardest things that I've ever had to do are give birth to my children and pull myself out of suicidal depressions. 100%. Those are the hardest things that I have ever had to do in my life. And I'm just so grateful that I'm still here and that I made it through the other side and that I haven't had one of those episodes in a really long time. So many of you asked about the physical component to mental health. And I think that it's really interesting because, you know, I did this Ask Me Anything Q&A on Instagram and I specifically was talking about, you know, ask me your questions pertaining to mental health. So many of you talked about the correlation between mental health and physical ailments. And I absolutely believe that there's a connection. There's a great book on this called um, When the Body Says No. If you haven't read it yet, I highly recommend it. I'm certainly not saying that Every physical ailment is a direct result of your mental health or consciousness level. But for me, it is absolutely true that the more that I peeled back the layers of programming and the more that I was willing to sit in the discomfort of my past and present, the more that I was willing to let go of that ego And the more that I was willing to step into who I really am and made the choice to live authentically, the more that I felt better, like that my physical ailments absolutely went away. I would say that there are absolutely genetic factors and then there's also epigenetics. And for a lot of people with autoimmune issues, which would be me, myself included, while there might be an environmental factor, right? Usually it can be a a trauma that happens that flips the switch and turns on that disease or dis-ease in the body. And so that has absolutely been my experience, you know, and through Joe Dispenza's work. And I'm not saying that this is a cure-all because I'm still dealing with autoimmune stuff, but Becoming Supernatural is also an incredible book. And You Are the Placebo as well, which is another book that Joe Dispenza wrote. But it's scientifically backed and found that, you know, certain diseases can absolutely be reversed as a result of healing, mentally healing and consciousness work. And that has been my experience. So I think I want to wrap up this podcast by saying this, that wherever you're at in your journey, it's okay. And that 
I want you guys to know that I love and care about you all so much. I'm so proud of you for getting up, getting out of bed, right? For trying to make it through the day, for listening to this podcast, for sharing this podcast with a friend, for reaching out to a friend that's been in a depression, for, you know, taking care of yourself in whatever capacity you can for today. I see you. I know how hard and how challenging it can be. And I am just here to say that I'm proud of you and that I love you so much. If you or someone you know is feeling suicidal, there is a National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And you can call that number at 800-273-8255. It's a good number to have or to know about, I should say. Help is available and you are absolutely worth it. I can't imagine what my life would have looked like if I had attempted suicide and how hard that would be to pull myself out of. I can't imagine not being here and being present in the life that I have today. It does get better. Even when you can't see a way out, it absolutely gets better. So like I said, this month we will be focusing on mental health. Evan is going to be joining us on the 29th for the launch of his new book. And we will be meeting with guests to talk about all things healing And I'm really looking forward to all of the awesome conversations coming up this month. This week's affirmation is, I trust the process of life. And so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, follow along with us, leave a review. It means so much to me. There are new episodes of Recovering From Reality every Monday, and you can follow me on social at Recovering From Reality or visit my website, recoveringfromreality.com. 